Can you imagine being Clancy's sponsor for a while? <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether that's good or bad. <laughs> My name is Cisco, an alcoholic. <laughs> Very grateful to be here. I'm grateful as a matter of fact to be anywhere. And, uh, you know, Minneapolis means quite a lot to me because the first speaker I ever heard in uh, October of 1952. My sponsor and I, who, uh, my sponsor is here at the conference. He's, uh, sober ten days longer than I am. He was an old-timer when I came. <laughs> <laughs> and he and I went to a roundup in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, Canada. We didn't hear any, we didn't know any news about it. We just heard it was going to be there. And we went, and Pat C. from Minneapolis was speaking. And uh, I know that anybody from Minneapolis knows who I'm talking about. George Strachan from Milwaukee was speaking. And I, uh, I was impressed. <laughs> I was 27 years old and been sober for nine months. And uh, these two guys really impressed me. And they impressed me because uh, they were genuine. And uh, we had a great time that weekend. And on the way home, I said to Elmer, I said, uh, wouldn't it be great <laughs> to get up and speak like those two guys? And Elmer said, you keep doing what you're doing, <laughs> and someday you'll do that. And I laughed. Never ever thought that it would, but it happened. And so that's why I'm kind of grateful to be here today. I uh, I didn't just get up one morning and say, I think I'll join Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> I got here because uh, I drank too much. Didn't drink for very long. Only drank from when I was 16 until I was 27. But I'm going to tell you, <laughs> in that time, I drank a lot. I got right at it, and sometimes I just can't figure out how some of you have so much stick to it of this. To hang in longer than 27, because <laughs> I just couldn't have made it. First of all, I was a, I'd become a fighter after I came out of the Navy, and I had 17 fights and 17 knockouts, and I lost them all. <laughs> It wasn't, I wasn't fighting in any uh, ring or anything. I was fighting in bars. And so uh, <laughs> that's how I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. I also played a little bit of poker. And I learned how to cheat. And I guess it's okay to cheat. <laughs> but don't try cheating around the guy that I was cheating around. Uh, I got caught cheating. And... Uh, the guy that caught me weighed 275 pounds. He was an ex-commando in the Canadian Army. And he and I had a fight. Or I should say, he had a fight. <laughs> he, he hit me and I hit the cement floor and uh, I got up and he hit me and I hit the cement floor. And, and we did that a whole bunch of times. 
And finally, I stayed down, not because I wanted to, but because I couldn't get up. And they took me to the hospital. And uh, I was there for five days. And I, I come from a town where practically everybody knows everybody else. But there wasn't anybody that came to see me in the hospital. I guess they just didn't know I was there. Uh, my wife didn't come. I think she knew I was there. She just didn't care. And uh, my doctor came and told me about myself and told me the truth about myself. And I always think it's important. I was at a public information luncheon this morning, and, and uh, I think it's important that you sponsor your doctor. He doesn't have to drink, but tell him about Alcoholics Anonymous. Because that doctor knew about Alcoholics Anonymous. And he told me I couldn't do, he couldn't do anything more for me. He built me up physically. And he said, I can't do anything more for you. And I said, well, what'll I do? And he said, well, the rest's up to you. And I said, well, what will I do? And he said, well, I would suggest you join Alcoholics Anonymous. I was 27 years old, and, and in, in those days, there wasn't too many people 27 years old in Alcoholics Anonymous. He didn't leave it at that. That night he sent two guys, uninvited they came, to see me. <laughs> and I knew both of them. And they were dressed up and they looked good. And they told me about themselves. They didn't tell me about me. And I think that's so great when you go on a 12-step call, to look good and, and talk about yourself and not talk about the patient. <laughs> because most people talked about me when they talked to me about my drinking. And they told me that the next morning that they were going to have an emergency meeting. In those days, when you got a live one, they had emergency meetings. <laughs> and so they told me to be at this restaurant the next morning at 10 o'clock. And I, I got to the restaurant at 10 o'clock. And they all came, the whole group, the entire group. 15 of them. It was a cold morning in January. I'd been, my shirt was all torn, my suit was covered with blood, and I had my overcoat on and collar up so people wouldn't see that. And they all came in, and you know what? I knew every one of them. I just hadn't seen them for a little while. <laughs> and, and they started to talk and make smart remarks, you know, we've been waiting for you, and, you know, Happy New Year. And uh, it was the 16th of January. <laughs> and uh, they uh, talked to me, and they told me they were going to have a meeting that night, and that I must be there, and, and I promised them I'd be there. And then they asked, uh, they said, well, we'll take you home. And I said, no, 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 I can get home by myself. And they said, no, 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 we'll take you home. And I didn't want them to take me home because I had been away from my home a few times before that for four or five days. And I'm still married to a little girl that I got married to in 1943. Now, I know that's not popular today, but <laughs> it's not my fault that she stayed, believe me. <laughs> and... Uh, I thought, well, 
Every time I took somebody home with me after being away for a few days, she would run them off. And I, I didn't want her to run these people off because, uh, you know, I really liked them. But they insist on taking me home. And fortunately for me, some of the gals had been up to see her. There was no Allen on at that time in my town. And uh, they'd been up to see her to tell her what I was going to try to do. And she met me at the door. And I'll never forget that. She met me at the door and she kissed me. <laughs> and she said, I think everything is going to be okay, hon. <laughs> I, if nothing else, I stayed sober that day. <laughs> because she had changed already, you know. <laughs> and, and that night we went to our first AA meeting. And it was, oh my God, I walked in. And there were a bunch of old people there, 45, 50 years old. And I thought, what am I getting into? And they, they had a social first. And they played games. And I can remember they played pin the tail on the donkey. That really wasn't my idea of a Saturday night, I'll tell you. And then I noticed that Babe was really enjoying herself. So I joined in too. And uh, that night, there was a fellow there by the name of Elmer, and uh, I drank with Elmer, and I saw him, and he was sober, and he was dressed up, and Bobby Motherwell, who is now in the great roundup, so I can break his anonymity, he told me that I had to get a sponsor. So I looked around, and I, I saw Elmer, and I went over and asked Elmer to be my sponsor, and I don't think Elmer knew what a sponsor was. <laughs> because he was only sober 10 days. And he said he'd be. <laughs> he said, all right. Elmer's still my sponsor. Elmer and I have the longest relationship of sponsorship sponsees in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> now, I have some friends with me from Chicago and they, I've been telling them about Elmer, but they've never seen Elmer. <laughs> but Elmer's at this conference. He doesn't let me go anywhere by myself. <laughs> and they say they don't think there is an Elmer. And, then, and I, is El, does Elmer happen to be here? God, no. Anybody know if he's around? Because I'd like to show him. <laughs> show him. <laughs> My friends say, I just talk about him. It's an imaginary thing with me, they say. My friend, my sponsor's Elmer. I'll tell you, at Seattle, they asked me to speak on sponsorship, and Elmer was there. And I talked about Elmer. And when, when it was all over, there was in a skating rink in Chicago, you know, there were, or in Seattle, there were about 10,000 people there. And I talked about Elmer. That's all I talked about, how he sponsored me. And then when it was all over, a man went up to the microphone and he said, tell me, is this Elmer, is he here? <laughs> and there's Elmer way up top and, and waving, you know? And guess what? He got a standing ovation. <laughs> uh, I did the talking and he got the standing ovation. <laughs> but they met Elmer. Not only that, they went up and got his autograph. And nobody asked me for mine. Ha, ha, ha.
but Elmer does exist, I can promise you, and someone will meet him somewhere. But uh, he became my sponsor, and uh, we had just a good time. That night after the meeting, they came in and they told me that uh, there's no must in Alcoholics Anonymous. They used to say that back then. And they said, uh, but tomorrow morning there's a meeting here and you must be here. <laughs> Another guy told me, he said, Cease, we have two meetings a week. And he said, make a decision right now that you're going to go to two meetings a week. That sounds like a pretty fair deal. So I said, okay, I'll make that decision. Mind you, I didn't think I was going to stay this long. But uh, so I've kept that decision. I go to two meetings a week. I have a home group. And uh, that has meant a whole lot to me. Because uh, after a while, you see people stop going to meetings. And that is a shame because, if nothing else, sometimes old-timers don't have to say anything. They just have to show up, you know? And it means something to other people. They told me that next morning that I had to be honest. And I thought I was honest. And I think that majority of us in this room today are honest. But I find out that sometimes, myself included, that if it's to my advantage, <laughs> or to your advantage, we sometimes can not be honest. I heard a story about a very successful businessman. And he hired a mute bookkeeper. And after a little while, he got thinking, I wonder, is this guy honest? And he went back and he checked the books and he found out he was $50,000 short. And he thought, well, how am I going to talk to this guy? But he had a, a friend of his that knew sign language. So he called him in and told him the story. And he said, I'm going to call the guy in here and I want you to talk to him. So the, he called the guy in and the guy come in and he said to his guy with the, the sign language, he said, Ask him where my $50,000 is. And he says, he wants to know where his $50,000 is. <laughs> and the guy said, I don't know. And he said, what did he say? He says, he doesn't know. <laughs> so the guy says, ask him again. He says, he really wants to know where his $50,000 is. And he said, the guy says, don't know. So what did he say? He says, he doesn't know. The guy took, reached in desk, took out a gun, and he says, you tell him I'm going to shoot him. If he doesn't tell him where my fifty thousand dollars is, he says he's going to shoot you if you don't tell him where his fifty thousand dollars is. The guy says, "Don't know." The guy says, "What do he say?" He says, he "Doesn't know." The guy took the gun, put it right up to the guy's right to his temple, and he said, "You tell him that he's got thirty seconds. In thirty seconds, if he doesn't tell me his history, and he says he's going to shoot you in thirty seconds if you don't tell him where it is." The guy says, "It's in a tin can underneath the oak tree in my backyard." The guy said, what did he say? He said, he doesn't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
this is my ninth international conference. I went to Long Beach in 1960 with Elmer. <laughs> and, and Elmer and I have been going to them ever since, but nobody's ever met Elmer. And, uh, and, and uh, I want to share a few things with you, what it means to show up. Uh, that I had been a delegate in 1957. I got into service, and I... I became a delegate in 57, and I think I was a good delegate. And I was in panel seven, and there's nobody here in panel seven. I know that. You don't even believe there is a panel seven. But I was in panel seven. The other night I was at the delegates' reunion, and, and this guy says, panel seven was in the, the 50s. I said, yeah, I was panel seven. He said, you're not that old. And I said, what do you have to do? Have a, some kind of a deal to explain where you were? And uh, I don't know, he just laughed. He, he thought I was some kind of a kook, just going around saying I was panel seven. But I was panel seven. And I don't think there's anybody here today that's in panel seven because they're all in panel seven away up there now. And uh, But I'm pretty lucky I'm still here. And they... Uh, in, in, when we went to that conference in 1960, we drove down, four of us, with Elmer, <laughs> and, and we had a lot of fun. And I spoke on, uh, on a Saturday morning, I spoke on money in AA, and there was a girl by the name of Anita R. that she's still living in Arizona somewhere. She worked at General Service Office, and she asked me to talk about money. And in AA, and I did, and then she asked me if I'd come up and sit with her because they'd made a makeshift general service office. And I went up and sat with her, and we, we just got sitting down. She says, nobody comes up. So through the door comes Bill Wilson. And guess what? He stayed for two hours <laughs> talking to Anita and I. And when Bill was around, you didn't talk. Bill talked. <laughs> and he waved his arms. And when he was gone, Anita said, My God, I thought he was never going to leave, you know. <laughs> I didn't care if he stayed all day. I mean, who else got to talk to Bill Wilson for two hours? Or got to listen to him for two hours? Sorry. He left, and the door opened, and Warden Clinton Duffy came in. First man that let AA and the institution San Quentin. And he stayed for two hours. I got back to the motel, and Elmer said, Where have you been? You know, he thought he'd lost me. And I said, Oh, I got tied up with Wilson and Duffy, and I couldn't get away, you know. <laughs> and so Elmer didn't believe me. And so that night we were taking Anita out for dinner. And as soon as she got in the car, all three of them said, what did you and Cease do this afternoon? It's not very much. She says, we listened to Wilson and Duffy all afternoon. You know, I didn't get a chance to talk to Cease. So then they believed it. <laughs> but isn't that a fantastic thing? Just by showing up. <laughs> all of a sudden, he's there. When I was delegate, uh, the first night I was there, we had the conference, and this little, nice little lady sat down beside me. And she... 
She said, is this seat taken? I said, no. And, and she said, you mind if I save this for my husband? And I said, it's okay. And guess what? It's Lois and Bill. <laughs> Had dinner with them. <laughs> and uh, in 1970, uh, at the International Conference in Miami, my friend Wesley Powers, who is now up there too, he was host, charged the host committee, and and we went up to see Bill. He was sick, and uh, Bill asked me never to lose my enthusiasm. And so uh, I had a lot of reasons to be enthusiastic. And uh, I've been to all of the conferences, and I've been privileged to share something at every conference. In Back in Long Beach, it said, Bill talked about, let's be friends with our friends. Toronto, he talked about the responsibility deal. Then in Miami, 1970, it was the unity deal. Then in Denver, it was, let's be friends with our friends. No. Uh, what the heck was it? It was something, and it was sent in by a now non from Saskatchewan. I, I, she'll, she'll kill me if I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was... I'll, I'll think of it. And then, of course, it was over to New Orleans, where I was a trustee chairman and was privileged to be in the parade over there in a mink bikini, <laughs> leading the parade. I'll tell you, everybody that was there took pictures of me. I don't look good in the mink bikini. But they had made me promise when I went there the four years before the conference, we went there to talk to the host committee, and I talked on enthusiasm, and they said, we'll be enthusiastic if you were a leopard skin bikini. And I thought, well, they'll forget about it. I said, yes. And then I, everywhere I went, people would say, I hear you're going to wear a leopard skin bikini. So I went to the fur show in Montreal, because I was in the fur business, and, and I ordered a leopard skin bikini, $495. I got home, and the guy that made it for me after I paid for it, he said, did you say you're going to wear that to the United States? And I said, yeah. And he said, you can't. And I said, why? And he said, it's an endangered species. <laughs> so I'm stuck with a leopard skin bikini. They're not big sellers, I'll tell you. <laughs> so my staff made me a mink one. They took the, the pattern, made me a mink one. And I went around in that Mardi Gras deal, throwing those things out in a leopard skin or in a mink bikini. Now, that wasn't one of the greatest moments of my life, I'll tell you. <laughs> but, but, but the the theme that year was the joy of living. And uh, when I, I, everybody sends in deals, and I, I sent in the deal of feelings. I said, what I want is a, a deal of the, a, a tape playing right throughout the conference of Bill Wilson reading How It Works, and the song feelings behind it, you know? But 
Bob uh, P was a was the uh, manager of the office then, and now I'm not saying this with any resentment or anything, but <laughs> but he read all the letters that came in, and he submitted the other deal, the Joy Living, and he had a chance to talk on it, and he didn't give me a chance to talk on mine, and so it was the Joy Living, and. Uh, Someday it's going to be feelings, I can promise you. <laughs> but, incidentally, speaking about international conventions, I would like to invite everybody to Toronto, those of you who are still living, <laughs> and five years from now, because it's going to be a good deal. I promise you. And, uh, you know, I, I was so privileged in Alcoholics Anonymous because one day what Elmer had promised me, they would invite me to speak at different places. And they did. And I've been privileged to speak in every state in the United States. Every province in Canada, Puerto Rico, been invited overseas but couldn't go because I swore that I would never cancel a speaking engagement if I got a better one. <laughs> and I, I've been to Hawaii, I've been to Alaska, but I've been invited to Ireland, and I've been invited to South Africa, but I, I couldn't go because of, I had previous engagement. And I'm grateful for that. And uh, when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I really didn't want to come to Alcoholics Anonymous. I was something like uh, the three alcoholic rabbits. I don't know whether you know whether you have alcoholic rabbits where you live. I don't mean ordinary Saturday night rabbits, drunk rabbits. I mean real, genuine alcoholic rabbits. We have them back in Canada with their ears drooping down. And, and there were three of them. And they were called foot and foot, foot and foot, foot, foot. And foot, foot, you phone a foot, 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 and he said, let's pick up old foot, we'll go down to the bar. And so foot, 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 and foot, foot, they pick up old foot, and they go down to the bar. One night, foot, foot was sitting talking to foot, 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 and foot, foot, foot said, foot, foot, and says, where's foot? And foot, foot said to foot, 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 well, he's here just a minute ago, but he went outside. So foot, foot, and foot, 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 they went outside, found poor old foot, foot's dead. Foot, foot, foot said to foot, foot, he said, what do you think we should do with foot? And foot, foot said to foot, 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 well, we better take him to the funeral home. After the funeral, foot, foot, foot said to foot, foot, what do you think old foot died from? And foot, foot said to foot, 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 he said, well, I think he was alcoholic. And foot, foot, foot said to foot, foot, he said, you think we're alcoholic? And foot, foot said to foot, 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 he said, well, we're drinking quite a bit. And so foot, foot, foot said to foot, foot, he said, you think we should join Alcoholics Anonymous? And foot, foot said to foot, 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 might as well, he says, we got one foot in the grave anyway. I was drinking, I used to use five rabbits an hour. But uh, some people try to copy that joke, and, I, and you do a lousy job of it. <laughs> and, <laughs> but uh, AA's been so good to me, and, and, uh, and, I, I, I've, and you know what? I've been good to AA. <laughs> I'm not going to take that away from me. I've been good to AA. I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you the truth. And uh, 
because I think that's, that's the opportunity I have. I have that opportunity, and it's the opportunity to actually save lives. I've been privileged to sponsor a lot of people. I've been privileged to do a lot of institutional AA. I've been privileged to run step meetings. Uh, our group is called Do the Steps Group. Not study them, do the steps group. <laughs> and that's what we do. And each Thursday night at 7 o'clock, I'm there along with Jimmy. Jimmy is here somewhere. He's my helper. And uh, we have another helper called Keith, who's a junior member. And, uh, but we, we, we do the, what we do is we do an introduction and then the next week we do step one, the next week we do step two, the next week step three, four, just goes right on 14 weeks. A lot of people say, couldn't have done it that way. I'm going to ask you a question, did you ever try? Because <laughs> it can be done. There isn't anybody in our group that hasn't done the steps in sequence. You know, a lot of people have been sober more than 40 years they've written books and uh, my group said to me see you've had so much experience why haven't you written a book and they kept at me and so finally I wrote a book I'm going to share it with you uh, now it's not conference approved as yet it, it is called the daily spiritual guidebook and it goes like this get up and pray Second page, get dressed. <laughs> Third page, don't drink and go to meetings. Fourth page, do the steps in sequence. And this is the, this is the killer, this one. Get a job. <laughs> Next one is help someone else. <laughs> Last page is pray and go to bed. I figure it'll be a good seller if I can just get through the conference. <laughs> if Bob P's not there, I might be able to do it. <laughs> and, you know, they ask me to do those step meetings. And that, that's fabulous because I, I watch people grow. And I've learned a lot about the step meet, steps myself by doing them. And... Uh, we do the steps back home, fifth step, we don't do it with our sponsor. I wouldn't do a fifth step with old Elmer. First of all, he's a blabbermouth. And secondly, he's totally unscarred by education. He wouldn't know what he was talking about anyway. But I bought a book in the United States. You say, I haven't got big books here. <laughs> but in, the, in, the, in, the, in that book I bought in the United States, it tells you to take, doesn't tell you to take the fifth step with a sponsor. It tells you to take it with maybe a man of the cloth. In that book I bought in the United States, that's what it told me. So we have ministers, priests, rabbis who take our fifth step with us. And we make appointments with them after they've taken their fourth step. 
And when I say after they've taken their fourth step, that means the next week they take their fifth step. And someone will say, well, I just couldn't do it that way. But try it. It's not that difficult. You've got to make a commitment. And I think that's a big thing in Alcoholics Anonymous, making commitments. And we keep it simple. And I think that's a big thing about Alcoholics Anonymous. I think there was a guy, I think his name was Dr. Bob. <laughs> he said something about keeping it simple, didn't he? In St. Louis. When he did the last talk he gave. Don't louse it up, he said, keep it simple. So talking about keep it simple, that too reminds me of a story. A friend of mine back home, he has a ranch. Another night man said to him, how'd you get the name of your ranch? And he said, well, I wanted to call it the Bar Q. My son wanted to call it Susie Q. My wife wanted to call it the Bar Susie Q. And my daughter wanted to call it Susie Bar Q. So we called it the Bar Q, Susie Q, Susie Bar Q, Bar Susie Q. And the guy said, that's a great name, but where are the cattle? And he said, none of them ever survived the branding. <laughs> so, so, so you see, we got to keep it simple. <laughs> and I do that. I keep it simple. And I'm privileged to talk to a lot of people and keep it simple. And, and it's just, it's just been so great, Alcoholics Anonymous is. It's just, just been a, a real deal. I've been privileged to ask many years ago, Wesley Parrish, who's now gone up top, they started the deal over in Akron, trying to save Dr. Bob's house. And in 1969, I think it was, I spoken Akron. And I, uh, I followed what I'd read about everything about when it started. And I went to where Bill was standing in that hotel where the minister's directory is, where the phone booth is and where this bar is, where the tinkling of the glasses he talks about. I went to where Henrietta Cyberling lives, I saw that. I went to the hospital, saw where those meetings were, and I went to Ann and Bob's grave. And I relived the whole deal. And I think that that's so important that if we ever get a chance to do that, so Wesley asked me if I'd be a trustee on, you know, saving Dr. Bob's house. And I've been privileged to work on that for a long time. Recently, I was in Akron, and, and a lot of work has been done to it. And I'm happy about that. Because, you see, that is our heritage. That is where we came from. And if you ever get a chance to do anything for it, do it. Contribute to it, or go to see it, or write a letter, or send a fax, or do whatever. It's just a tremendous deal. Look on the way out and see the archives. Because that is what we belong to, and that's where it came from. And you know, a lot of people 
talk about been miracles. And they, every, every time you're in a conversation with somebody, you say, you hear somebody say, I'm a miracle, or he's a miracle. I don't think that way, although it was a miracle, but what happened to me. I want you to visualize for a minute Bill Wilson. Being in Akron, Ohio, before there was Alcoholics Anonymous. Being in there to make a business deal. And it went bad. And all of the people that was with him, they went back to New York. And Bill is there by himself. And he's in the Mayflower Hotel. And he wants to maybe go, he hears the tinkling of the glasses. And he wants to maybe go in there and have a Coke. <laughs> Fortunately, he went and got some nickels because he realized he had to talk to another drunk. And he started to phone ministers. Finally, he found a minister that put him in touch with Henrietta Sarbley, who was in the Oxford movement. And he said he wanted to talk to an alcoholic. And she said, I know one. And she phoned Dr. Bob's house. And Ann said he's not able to talk. <laughs> it was Mother's Day, <laughs> and he'd come home with a potted plant, and he and the potted plant were underneath the kitchen table, <laughs> both sleeping. <laughs> but the next day, Dr. Bob consented to go and talk to Bill for a few minutes. And it said that they talked for an, about five hours. And I guess Alcoholics Anonymous born, wasn't it? We didn't know it then. Dr. Bob had one slip after that. Bill stayed in Akron, Ohio. They worked with other people. First drunk they got was Bill Dotson, who I was privileged to know. And Alcoholics Anonymous started to grow. Bill went back to New York, and it started to grow there. So I don't think that we are necessarily the miracles. I think that we're the result of that miracle that happened on that night in the Mayflower Hotel when Bill decided to get those nickels and phone somebody. And Alcoholics Anonymous was born. And some people think and talk about gratitude. Say, oh, I'm so grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> Phone him up at two in the morning and tell him there's some drunk <laughs> that wants to see him and see how grateful they are. Gratitude is not something we talk about. Gratitude is something we do. And I believe that every one of us 
should have an attitude of gratitude. So when we're asked to do something, no matter who it is, that we will spend some time with them. I've been a privileged guy, um, but five years ago, six, five, four years ago or something, I was in the fur business and the fur business went bad and I had to sell my store. And I'm probably the only person that ever had a selling out sale at the deficit because <laughs> nobody really wanted to buy fur coats. If there are any activists in the room, I want you to know I have a resentment against you. <laughs> and and that, that Saturday night when the sale was all over, my good wife, I call her Mrs. I Want Money. <laughs> she was, uh, her and I were going out for dinner. And when we drove out for dinner, she said, the girls and I have been talking, meaning our two daughters. And I thought, oh my God, what have they been talking about? We think that you should have an office. <laughs> what she was really saying was, I don't want you hanging around the house. <laughs> and so I got an office, and I went into another little business. But the big thing is, is that the drunks still keep coming by my office. And if nothing else, the office is worthwhile just to have that. Because I, I, I've had the opportunity to a lot, do a lot of one-on-ones. And I think that it's a real opportunity at my age to do that. Talking about age, I heard a story about a young fella not a young fellow, but a guy that went to the doctor. And the doctor said, my God, he said, for 75-year-old man, he said, you're in good shape. He said, the guy said, who said I'm 75? He said, oh, you're not 75? He said, no, I'm 85. He said, God, he said, you got a body of a 35-year-old man. Oh, he said, that's nothing. He runs in the family. He said, my dad's 105. He said, oh, he, what home is he in? He said, who said he was in the home? <laughs> he said he rode his bicycle out to the golf course. He's golfing. <laughs> Gee, that's amazing. Not really, he said. <laughs> My uncle's 135 years old and getting married today. <laughs> the doctor said, why in the world would somebody 135 years old want to get married? He said, who said he wanted to get married? <laughs> <laughs> I get five minutes. <laughs> they really control you here, don't they? <laughs> anyway, I'll show you I can wind it up in five minutes. <laughs> I want to thank the committee for giving me this very pleasurable privilege. I want to thank you, the audience, because you were so great, because you listened and you made it very easy for me. Last but not least, I want to thank God for giving me one more beautiful day to do something for Alcoholics Anonymous.
And just recently, a guy said to me, Cease, what do you call spirituality? And I said, well, I'll tell you what. My grandma taught me a little prayer when I was a little boy. And I try to use it every day. And that prayer is, please, God, treat me tomorrow as I've treated everybody today. Thank you, God bless.